Revolutionary Talk for Revolutionary Times. Promoting peace, liberty, and prosperity around the clock. LibertyTalk.fm. Wits and Roz. Um, Roz, a lot of news this week. This is, uh, I feel like the summer is finally starting to pick up. Um, a little a little eye on football. We got the fantasy talks going on now, a lot of contract talk, but I didn't even read anything about um, anything NFL because there's so much other stuff going on right now. Um, we're in the middle of the British Open. Got a lot of stuff going on with the NBA. Uh, Carmelo getting uh, traded and probably going to get waived. Um, we got the Kawhi DeMar DeRozan trade. Um, Got a lot of stuff Base- going on in the MLB. Manny Machado. Ba- baseball trades are going nuts. Yep. We've got Brad Hand being moved. Mm-hmm. We've got. Uh, can you shoot? My bad. There was. I thought that commercial was on your end. It was on my end. Did you hear that? It's all right. We're going to keep an ode to the CBS train. I did not hear it, so we're going to keep it rolling. But I will full disclaimer: there there will be a CBS ad playing at least once throughout the show because there's so many things I need to research while I'm talking that it's, it's gonna well, let's 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 start off with the biggest event going on currently in sports which is the british open we've got golf underway at least on the west coast that started at 1 a.m last night so i don't know when i'm gonna watch any of these rounds of golf but um interesting start because players were scattered across the board as it will be for most tournaments with your current leader being kevin kitzner who i don't believe either of us chose i mean that's a guy who has been in the running the last couple of years for a couple of majors, but definitely wasn't on my board. Anybody on your team, I know we squatted up to that Chad Ransom pool again, shout out Chad Ransom, that uh, made a good move this morning. I know you struggled a little bit with your team. Um, yeah, and disclaimer, this is Thursday night, so we've only seen one day of action. Um, so hopes are that when this show airs that all my five guys have made the cut, but a bit of a rough start after day one for me. Um, had Tiger who kind of faded a little bit down the stretch. Um, I, I believe was minus two or three at one point, ended up even. Um, How Tung Lee, had to take him again, ended up even. Uh, that's that's a pretty good day um, as my tier four player. But Jason Duffner um, finished plus four after day one. Dustin Johnson, who I've never taken ever in a tournament, decides to put up just an awful day one. And Hideki Matsuyama, also, I believe finished plus four. So a little bit of a rough start for me. But I gotta say, for the tournament style in which it looks right now, it's I think it's tough 
for Dustin after our Thursday showing of him. I think it's going to be tough for Dustin to make a move back into the pack. I don't think this is a situation where he's going to bounce back. I mean, anything can happen in golf, but with a terrible plus five to start off the, the tournament, it just looks like this might be a crumble moment for Dustin Johnson, at least at this major. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, unfortunately, um, with with the work life right now, I was not able to watch any golf, but you know what? Hopefully, I get to watch a little on uh, Saturday and Sunday. Um, but look a little bit down the leaderboard after day one. So you, you mentioned we had Kistner um, at minus five and tied for second. We had Eric Van Royen, Tony Finau, and Xander Lombard. All these Xanders moving up the leaderboard. I love it. Um, pair of young South Africans, both under 30. Um, among a few people that made a run at the early lead on Thursday, uh, that'd be Van Royen and Xander Lombard. And looking a little bit farther down the leaderboard, um, Roy McIlroy, Justin Thomas, ZJ, Danny Willett, John Rahm. Five others finished it at uh, two under. So they're definitely still in contention. Um, and Tiger, I thought, you know, wasn't great. You know, he started off hot with two birdies in the front nine, um, but just didn't really close that well. But, uh, you know, I have a feeling Tyler, Tiger's going to be sticking around on Sunday, and that's always more exciting. Um, when he is there and uh you know what don't really have much more to say about the golf i mean i just i mean look at the leaderboard i, I can uh, i can fill in do a little color commentating for you here on my golf train at least at least the five guys i've got going yeah make this a little more colorful than it is right well i'm gonna take the approach that i don't think tiger is gonna be there on the last day of the tournament i think this I love was how tiger is in like three of the prop bet questions i that is also comical. Is i think tiger wood is so iconic that the fact that half of our prop questions are about him just speaks volumes but i think due to the fall off he had in the first round i think you're going to continue to see this fall off i don't think he's yeah, it wasn't really a back. fall off went from it, two under he, to even he went, right but in a sense he lost his ability to continue to improve his score i thought he really struggled down the stretch i know again that was only dropping two strokes but i don't think this is going to be his tournament so my guys of course doing fantastic there's no there's no chad pool where i'm not in until the end we've got justin thomas minus two we've got ricky fowler minus one this is going to be the year and what i mean by the year is this major he's going to pull this one off i feel it in my bones and everyone wants to give me shit about this guy named eddie pepperell he's even tied with tiger so just keep that into perspective then we got Mark Leishman, who's in my low man, at plus one. And then we've got Justin Thomas, I believe. I already said Justin Thomas. I can't even remember who my team is anymore. Um, at minus two, and I think that's going to be my dark horse. Justin Thomas, yeah, I mean, I don't know if I'd really consider him a dark horse. He's a major champion. He, uh, fell, he fell down a tier, though, if you notice. Yeah, he did, but, you know, Brooks Kepka, the U.S. Open champ, was also in tier two. So, you know, the tiers, tiers are the tiers. But, um, yeah, basically looking at tournament, I mean, golf majors are always fun. They're always exciting and should have a great weekend. Um, like I said, hoping I get to watch a little bit. Um, but, yeah, biggest disappointment of the first round after day one, I have to say Dustin Johnson, world number one. Um, only made one birdie on Thursday. Just just didn't do it. Didn't do it for me. And I really, I'm hoping when people listen to this that he made the cut because that's just going to be – that's going to really grind my gears that the one time I take him, he just flattens out and doesn't even make the cut. But we'll see. Is this is this the kind of performance from Dustin Johnson that will never allow you to pick him again from one of these pools? Yes. 
I know I was, you're a grudge holder. I am a grudge holder, and I was already near that point. I was like, hey, he's a very popular pick all the time, and I just, I just don't like the popular picks. That's why my my teams are usually very hit or miss. Um, How Tong Lee gave me success my first go around, so I'm probably going to take him most of the tournaments that I can. He's um, your Ricky Fowler. He's my Ricky Fowler. So you know, we'll see what happens, but you know, exciting British Open. Um, Hopefully the weather gets gets into it a little more. You know, I'm looking for uh, some wind, maybe a little rain, uh, all the above. It'll be exciting, um, and we'll see what happens. But this should definitely definitely be a good weekend and, and always good for the sport when we had the majors rolling around. Absolutely. Well, I think we hit the nail into the horse's head. Haven't used that phrase in a while. Let's finally, let's get finally into... got it right. That was what? Like the first time ever you got it right. Right. I, I'm pretty sure I usually get it right. I just want to put that back in the universe. But let's just start hopping in, Xander. What, which trade and which sport was really grinding your gears or having you wondering what's going on next? Somebody's, sounds like somebody's taking a whiz back there. Yeah, we have a great water fountain thing in our uh, apartment. So that's, uh, that is what that focus that's is. Great. We just We actually built it recently. It's got a fish spitting water, and it allows for us to uh, – invite guests and have our place look elegant yeah very nice um wow there's a lot of great traits to pick from and i'm gonna go with the mlb let's bring the mlb into the forefront in segment number two not holding them to segment four no because that is all the time we have here for the sporting edge everybody when we get back from the break we're going to discuss the manny machado deal and also go over um brad hand what that could mean for the indians and the al we'll be back after the break everybody What's up? What's up, everybody? We are back at the Sporting Edge, and I just had a little run-in with the CBS ad again. Luckily, we weren't recording yet, but I think I have to bring it up every week. Um, Very disappointed in CBS website model. Um, It's a great website for news. They do a ton of great stuff, but when the ad comes up, you you can't click it right away and mute it without having it open another screen. So I'm just going to air my frustrations with CBS because they do a lot of great things, but this happens to be one of them um, that really grinds my gears. But we move on. We had a great week weekend in the MLB um, All-Star break. So we had a great home run derby. Um, with the is- greatest player in the world, capitalizing in his home stadium for his last home year there, putting away our favorite players and Kyle Schwarber and Javi Baez, but Bryce Harper. Really came out, showed out. His dad, fantastic pitching motion, fantastic timing. They were ready to go. He put that ball over the wall, over 440 feet, six times in one round. That's that's the man right there. That's the greatest player of all time. Yeah, greatest player of all time who at the same time happens to be hitting 218. But regardless, um, Home Run Derby was super exciting. Um, the new format, which I think started in tw- 2015. 2015 when Todd Frazier won, I was very skeptical at the start because I'm more of a traditionalist. In most things, I don't like change. Um, kind of a caveman in that aspect. But the new format, I think, has really brought some life back into the Derby. It's more exciting. Um, I think the old style, it just got old. Um, you know, it wasn't that exciting. And, you know, as much as I hated the new format, when I started to actually watch it and gave it a chance, I'm all for it. It's much more exciting. The only thing that the MLB... I think they're a little disappointed in is, you know, the lack of star power. Um, a lot of the big stars, they just don't want to do it. Uh, you know, we had Bryce Harper was 
I think the biggest name by far in that derby, and not to say that the other guys weren't fun to watch, but and I forgot who I heard this from, but it's like if two guys hit a home run, if one of them is just a lot more known as a great player, it just like looks better, even if it's the same thing. And I kind of agree with that. Um, but you know, you, you had you know Schwarber, Baez, Bregman, um, Reese Hoskins. Yeah, Reese. I mean, very great players. Jesus Aguilar got smoked in the first round by Hoskins, by the way. Aguilar also went at a, a snail's pace, which was not fun for me, at least in this new format, which I think has revitalized the whole thing. But Aguilar like almost forgot what he was doing there. Yeah, I didn't even get to see it. I was playing softball. I just get missing out on all the big events. But the home run derby was fun, and I think just a testament to that the MLB has the best all-star break. I think it's not even close um, compared to all the other sports because they have – the home run derby, I would I would call it some sort of a skills competition, but it actually means something. It's not like the NBA where they have those, um, you know, stupid little competitions. And you know what? I'm going to call it out: dunk contest, three point contest. Not as cool anymore. Um, they aren't. They're not. And I think part of that is the same problem with the MLB. Not a lot of stars doing the dunk contest, um, and it just looks better when a guy with a big name is doing it. But you know, MLB, you got the Derby. I mean, you got Celebrity Softball. It's a big spectacle. Um, and I think it's really great great for the game and the sport that they changed the format to have the game just mean nothing. Because I don't, I don't really think um, fans, you don't really need the game to mean World Series Game 7 home field advantage. I thought that was stupid. Puts, you know, players, managers in, in a really tough spot in a game. It's just supposed to be an exhibition game. It's supposed to be for the fans. Um, you know, showcasing the best talent in the game. And you just want to see them face off against each other if it only be for one night a year, which it is. Um, and they pull, they put up a amazing show for yeah. that being the All-Star game this year. I mean, going to extra innings, finish with an Alex Bregman or game-winning home run, essentially. It was it was something to be seen because also you had the stars like Aaron Judge and Mike Trout show out and hit two bombs to start off the game. I mean, it was absolutely spectacular. Yeah, and kind of funny how Bregman's homer was off Ross Stripling of the Dodgers, kind of reminiscent of the 2017 World Series where um, you know Houston kind of took Game 6 and 7 by storm. Overall, it was a great game. Um, I thought it was also cool how they mic'd up some players. You got to get you know a little insight of when they're playing the game, what it's like for them, um, just a couple different viewpoints. So I thought that was really cool. I loved hearing Mike Trout and Bryce Harper specifically, and I liked hearing Mike Trout because that's what led to the Rob Manfred comment. Rob Manfred comments about him not marketing himself and being kind of an asset to Major League Baseball, which I felt was completely wrong. I think that was a great opportunity for him to show up on Fox and really give his perspective of the game. And then it was amazing to hear Bryce Harper, who I just called the greatest player of all time, to really say if you don't if you watch baseball or if you don't watch baseball, it's a crime because. Mike Trout is by far and away the best player. Yeah, it was kind of cool how he did say that. Um, I don't really know what to expect when that kind of question was asked of him, but I, I think there's no denying that Mike Trout is the best player, and I think I think he hands down is a better player than Bryce Harper. I mean, there's Bryce Harper. I think is is a great player, um, but I mean Mike Trout is just so far and away better better than everybody else. But yeah, let's let's talk a little bit about Rob Manfred's comments. Um, about Mike Trout. I'm trying to see if I can get a quote up. But essentially, you know, it, it seemed like he was kind of blaming Mike Trout for not being as marketable as 
the league would like. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, that, that's just the angels. Out. The angels came out and said that in his community, which is in Anaheim, he is very in. The, he's very out there. He helps a lot of causes and really helps kids around the area grow up, play baseball. I mean, Mike Trout is definitely a significant force in that area. I mean, I'm living about 40 minutes away from there. So yes, maybe he d- isn't that iconic around the country, but that's also because his baseball start times are usually 10 o'clock on the East Coast, if not in the Midwest. I mean, it's ridiculous. He doesn't get a lot of airtime. Yeah, but and I, the thing I appreciate about Mike Trout is he doesn't really he doesn't try to be any anything other than you know he just, he's just a great guy. He's a soft spoken guy. Happens to be a generational talent, and you know I thought Rob Manfred's comments were a little a little below the belt, and I I just got him pulled up, so I'll read um, a little blurb from what he said. Uh, Mike's a great, great player and a really nice person, but he's made certain decisions about what he wants to do and what he doesn't want to do and how he wants to spend his free time and how he doesn't want to spend his free time. Uh, that's up to him. If he wants to engage and be more active in that area, I think we'd help him make his brand really, really big. But he has to make a decision that he's prepared to engage in that area. It takes time and effort. And I think for the commissioner, the head of a league, to say this about its best player um it's it's not a good look and i've always been a kind of a fan of rob manfred um and i think he's a pretty nice guy seems like he, he's got a good head on his shoulders and a good vision for what the league should be but I, I didn't like these comments um you know mike trout is who he is he's never shied away from the fact that he's just a great player who doesn't talk that much um it's very helpful in the community that he's in and that's just who he is i mean i think to try to make him anything else would be to make you know take away from you know what is one of the great things about mike trout he's just he's a soft-spoken giant um on the field and he's a generational talent and that's exactly he should just be exactly what he wants to be um right so you know rob man rob manfred's comments um you know what i'll give him a pass um, I don't know if he meant any ill will towards it, but you know, I, I didn't think it needed to be said. And if the MLB and Rob Manfred are worried about you know marketing their players, I think the onus should be more on them. Um, there's definitely more that they could do to market Mike Trout. I know it's really tough because he plays on the West Coast, where you know most of the United States is already in bed, like myself. But Mike Trout, you just you just keep doing you. That's all I have to say. About I would him. say keep doing him as well, and. Uh, in terms of top players in the country, one just moved at, to a significant team. I was about to say, we, we, uh, we just almost went that whole segment without bringing up the trade, which we talked about in segment number one. Um, got about 20 seconds left here, Roz. So give us a little little preview of uh, the Manny Machado trade. It's, uh, it's very upsetting in terms of the NL race. And although I don't think a batter can change a team's future i think this definitely helps a team that was missing a shortstop yeah you know this is uh interesting because you know you think you think back to last year dodgers had one of the best shortstops in the league but he happens to be out for the entire year that's Corey seager um but manny machado is a difference maker but we'll see if it's enough i mean we all know that pitching and defense is the key to winning in this league so we'll see if Machado has enough to bring the Dodgers their first world championship since 1989. We'll talk about more of that after the break. And we also got a lot of NBA to go over. So stay tuned. If you miss the show, you know where to find us at libertytalk.fm, amfm247.com. And we'll be back after the break. 
What's up, everybody? Bubba here. It's finally here. The long-awaited Bubba Report, bringing you news from all the trading floors across the globe. We've got Scotch Lady, the cow guy, as seen on CNBC, Fox, and Bloomberg. We've got Keith Bliss, CNBC, Fox, and a floor trader at the New York Stock Exchange. We've got the Badger, who writes the hot topics in the political news. We've got myself putting together my own unique indexes that will help you give you a better idea of what's going on in the market. All you need to do to get a hold of the Bubba Report is go to thebubbashow.org and sign up for the newsletter, or you can email me direct at bubba at thebubbashow.org. We want you to have this report because we've got over 150 years of experience talking about markets, getting ready for the trading, and puts you in the best position to have successful. So email me at bubba at thebubbashow.org to get a copy of your report or go right to the website, thebubbashow.org. Make sure you get it. It's a must-have for every investor and trader. The Bubba Report. What's up? What's up, everybody? We are back at the Sporting Edge, and we just got done uh, previewing a little bit of the Manny Machado trade to the Los Angeles Dodgers. Um, Roz, give us some of your thoughts. Is this enough for the Dodgers to make another World Series run, um, or is this just going to be another rental player gone by the wayside um, in Manny Machado? So it's tough to say that a player like Manny Machado is going to be a rental player that goes by the wayside. But if you look at it, he at a minimum, he'll get three at-bats per game, and that's not game-changing. Also, I read somewhere that his defensive statistics since moving to shortstop have actually been below average. He is not one of the top shortstops in the game currently. So I don't know if adding a batter is what makes this Dodgers team the next-level Dodgers team that can get past a team like the Cubs or the Braves or even the Nationals if they can get back into it. Um, I know their division is super competitive as well. So the batter in itself I don't think makes the change. Look what they did last year when they went out and got you Darvish at the trade deadline, and that really did help them get mm-hmm. to the World Series. And if you look at the Cubs who went and rented Aroldis Chapman, that helped them win the World Series. I think a pitcher is way more influential at the trade deadline in terms of helping a team. So I don't know if Manny Machado is really – I think he can be fantastic. I think he is in a new place in L.A. and could become curious. I know L.A. would have to do a monstrous amount of work on their roster in order to keep him in the next free agency. So it doesn't look like he's going to be back in L.A., but it gives him a flash. It puts his name back on some big billboards and everything. I know that he'll be playing later games, but L.A. is L.A. Um I don't think this is ultimately what's going to get the Dodgers over the hump, unfortunately. And I think pitching was more the importance. I mean, if Kershaw and their staff comes out and are absolutely spectacular down the second half of this Major League Baseball season, then he is an add-on that's really important. But I don't see that being the add-on that puts them over the hill. You know, I think the Brad Haddon trade, which we're going to talk about in a little bit, is a bigger move for a team than this Manny Machado trade. I honestly almost couldn't have said that any better myself, and uh, we rarely agree on the sporting edge, but I, I do agree with you here. Um, you know, batter can only do so much in the major leagues. Um, like you said, three or four at-bats a game, and Manny Machado, I think, is, is a guy you could describe as another generational talent, but, you know, baseball is, I think, so much more about pitching, starting pitching, relief pitching, um, and I, I don't know if this is enough to get the Dodgers back to where they were last year um i could definitely see them making it back to the world series but i don't know if they have enough pitching to compete with um you know with a team like the astros um you know a team like the indians now 
I just don't think it's going to be enough. I mean, the health of their starting pitching is a lot more important, and it has not been great um, this year. You look at Kershaw, you look at Rich Hill, um, who else we got? Stripling, Hyunjin Ryu, um, Alex Wood. They haven't been very good. Um, So could this, you know, kind of bolster everybody's efforts on the team? It could. I don't know. But, you know, it's a... I think it was a win-win for both teams that the Dodgers, you know, see their window, you know, basically now, and they gave up a lot of good prospects um, to the Orioles. So, you know, this is a, a trade that I think, you know, right now it works out for both teams. That The Dodgers got what they wanted, and uh, the Orioles got what they wanted because they're not going anywhere. Um, kind of sad to see them go if you're a Baltimore fan, but, you know, there's a time and a place for every player to move on, and this happened to be the time for Manny Machado. But like you mentioned before, Roz, um, I think a trade that might have a bigger impact on the playoff and World Series implication, Brad Hand going to the Cleveland Indians um, this past Thursday. Indians acquire relievers Brad Hand and Adam Clymer in exchange for very top-catching prospect Francisco Mejia. Um, this move adds a lot of depth um, to the AL Central leaders right now. Who are, they're trying to get back to the World Series for the second time in three years. Um, and Padres, I think this is a good deal for them. Uh, they acquire one of the best catching prospects in baseball. And San Diego, you know, even with a couple spurts this year, they just were not going to compete in the NL West. Um, there was a little stretch there for a week, I believe it was in mid-May, where you thought that maybe they could make a run, but... Overall, I just don't think they have the tools, and I, it really worked out for them that Brad Hand, I think, has always been a decent pitcher, and you know, I, honestly, I haven't looked back at all the stats, but he's always been a guy who's been around, um, but this year he has really, I think, done himself a lot of favors um, and, and turned into one of the biggest trade targets in the major leagues, and you know, the Cleveland Indians, who surprisingly have had one of the worst bullpens in the majors, um, land a big arm. Uh, a lefty, a guy who can get guys out. And, you know, with Andrew Miller uh, making some rehab appearances in the past couple weeks, you know, this this Indians team, I think that this might be a move that I think puts them right back up there if they weren't already um, in contention for another World Series. Right, and I think it, put, it puts Cody Allen on the hot seat. He has not been performing well this season, I should know, because he's on my fantasy team. He had one of the more infamous outings of all time, giving up six earned runs when it, they were up – five to one it was ridiculous i took the blow for that but i think hand like you said this is the move that will help down the stretch and in the postseason when you have a deeper rotation it makes for a better team and we've seen what this indians team looks like when their rotation is absolutely on it is what drove them to the world series they ultimately couldn't finish against the chicago cubs which was great for us but they were a very scary team that year. I mean, I remember watching them absolutely dominate on the AL side of the ball and really dominate the Cubs for the first four games of the series. So I think this is another very important move. I think we're going to see a couple more pitching moves. Um, Cole Hamill's in the talk. I'm really hoping the Mets get aggressive with either Syndergaard or DeGrom. And Zach Britton looks like he's going to be the next piece. I mean, there's been lots of talks for years and years that Zach Britton was going to be a piece move from the Orioles, but it looks like he's the next focus on the Orioles um, shipping, shipping year. Yeah, and you talk about the Mets, and it, you know, it seems like as of now, as of what we've just read, you know, they're they're unlikely to deal uh, Degrom or Syndergaard. I mean, it seems like their asking price is pretty high. I think which it should be, but there's a certain point, um, you know, where you, you look at a team like the Mets who 
kind of floundered their great opportunity, which I'd say started probably three years ago, um, with that rotation of DeGrom, Harvey, Syndergaard, um, Mats, and Wheeler. Their their window is, I'm going to say it's closed. I mean, I hate to say it. You know, I, I picked them to win the World Series very seriously two years ago. This year was more of a kind of a mercy pick. Um, but, you know, that that's one of the things you get with pro sports is if you're not healthy, it makes it really tough to win. And, you know, the health of the Mets starting pitching um, has just not been there the past couple of years. Um, you look at Harvey getting traded, just was not the same guy. Syndergaard has been on the DL a lot. Uh, Steven Matz has been on the DL a lot. Uh, one solid guy, I mean, Jacob deGrom, one of the best pitchers in baseball, and I think he is probably the most coveted um, trade target right now. But I do see the Mets moving Zach Wheeler. I think Zach Wheeler is um, a guy who could be a very good three or four starter on a playoff team. Um, he's impressed. He's pitched really well this year. doesn't really have the wins to back it up, but he's been pretty good. Um, but yeah, looking around the league, um, you know, I think there's still, there's still a couple of really big moves that I think are going to be made. And I feel like the Yankees are a team that are, that's going to make a move. Um, you know, they do have a lot of prospects. They have a very strong farm system still, even with, you know, their revitalized, um, kind of turning point a couple of years ago, you know, they were like the, the new age Cubs, you know, a team that we didn't think it was going to be good for a couple of years. And they ended up, you know, making it all the way to the ALCS. Um, so I think they, they might be able to make a move for DeGrom, but I feel like the, the Mets are, are holding a very high asking price over everybody's head and we'll see if anybody's willing to pay. Um, but like you mentioned before, um, getting that one pitcher can absolutely be worth it. Um, you talk about mortgaging your future. Uh, if it's for a World Series, I think you mortgage as much as you can. If you look at the Cubs, you know, when I look back, do I do I feel bad that we don't have Torres anymore? Uh, no. Honestly, I don't. Because I think that World Series, winning the first World Series in 108 years was absolutely worth it and more. And the fact that we got, you know, Chapman for basically half a year, um, I think it was 100% worth it. And you look at the Dodgers. I know you, Darvish, I'm not even going to comment on what he's done this year, and I know he was horrible in the World Series, but he was, I think, a major reason why that team got to the World Series, and they made they got to Game 7. I mean, they were, they were this close to being the 2017 World Series champions. So pitching, I think pitching is king. Um, so I think there's going to be a couple teams out there who are going to make a couple big moves because there's still quite a bit of pitching out there and we'll see what happens but we got about a couple weeks we got a couple weeks left before everything shakes out and should be exciting right absolutely i mean baseball for me right now is the cubs look hot the cubs are looking to continue their role after the after the all-star game and i'm hoping that they they make a move i mean they love the pieces they have i'd love just another pitcher whether it's in the bullpen or maybe even the starting rotation because that's been pretty pretty tough to watch i mean lester being an all-star was fantastic but you got Hendricks and darvish struggling quintana hasn't been all that great this season i mean an era above four it's been tough so hopefully they make a move that really just propels them forward towards the postseason yeah we'll uh we'll see what happens there but this is all the time we have here for the sporting edge everybody if you miss a show you know where to find us libertytalk.fm amfm247.com we'll be back after the break
What's up? What's up, everybody? We are back and better than ever, and we are leaving MLB to hop into the NBA, which had two pretty significant moves in the last 72 hours. One that was, to me, the only word you could use is soft, one of the softest trades I've ever seen in the history of the NBA, a trade that made absolutely no sense in making a future for either of these teams, and that is the Kawhi Leonard and DeMar DeRozan trade. I think it is absolutely ridiculous what the Raptors have done this offseason. They were the first seed in the East. They have fired their coach. They shipped off their star player. And they now have a rental for a year that comes to a team that he cannot drive to the postseason because they didn't have any other additional pieces added to this offseason. Will they be a playoff team? Yes, but that's the Eastern Conference. Everybody in there and their mothers is a playoff team. I think it is absolutely ridiculous the disrespect they showed DeMar DeRozan on this part. I mean, there was a year ago where Kyle Lowry had the option to leave and go somewhere else to help build on another team. Yet he decided to sign a five-year extension in large part to continue playing with his brother, DeMar DeRozan. Obviously, they're not real brothers, but they have a friendship that is very transparent that you can see day in and day out when the Raptors are playing. I think this was a harsh trade. They did acquire Danny Green as well, who I think is still a very good shooter. Um, but it's pointless. Kawhi's, Kawhi will never stay in Toronto. Kawhi is not a Canada boy. He's from California. He wants to play for the Lakers. And now you have him for a year. And I don't imagine Kawhi Leonard even entertains the idea of signing with the Raptors. Although he may say they're having good discussions, does not mean that in 2019 he will be a Toronto Raptor. Um, I'm going to have to disagree with you a little bit. Uh, first of all, DeMar DeRozan Say what you want about him. I think he's a great player, but never really stood out when the Raptors really needed him in the playoffs. If you take a look at DeMar DeRozan's playoff statistics. Has any Eastern Conference team stood out when playing LeBron James? Just out of curiosity. No, they haven't. Cool. But that's just that's the point right there. Okay, but first first point is that LeBron is no longer in the East. and Which makes it even more acceptable to hold on to the pieces they've already had that they were already a one seed in the East. Why all this change? Because I think Kawhi Leonard is a much better player than DeMar DeRozan. You look at DeMar DeRozan. It doesn't get him um, over a hump. It might not get him over the hump, but I mean, they, they tried to make their team better. And I think, I, I don't agree with how it went down. Um, and, and you can obviously tell by DeMar DeRozan's Instagram post that he was not happy about getting shipped off to the Spurs. Um, and say what you want about Kawhi Leonard may, you know, going to LA or whatnot. But, you know, that's next year. I'm I'm looking at this year, and Kawhi Leonard, I think, when healthy, is probably the third best player in the NBA um, and could be arguably the best two-way player in the league. Say what you want. We can argue about LeBron and whatnot. But Kawhi Leonard, when healthy, is a transcendent talent, I think, on both sides of the floor. And he's been a winner his entire career. I mean, it, his active winning percentage is better than anybody else in the NBA right now. Won the championship with the Spurs, I believe it was back in 2014. Um, you know, he's a winner. He does things on both sides of the floor that many other guys in the league don't even come close to. And this Raptors team, um, you know, I know they were they were the number one seed in the East last year, but you look at a couple things, LeBron being out of the East now, um, the Raptors acquiring a guy, who I think, Kawhi Leonard is considerably better overall than DeMar DeRozan. Um, and I didn't even finish my point before. DeMar DeRozan in the playoffs, um, you look at his shooting percentage, I don't know the exact number, but he hasn't been good. 
He has not really shown up in the playoffs when, to- when Toronto has really needed him, and he's a subpar defender. So I think the Raptors, um, with you know Kyle Lowry, Leonard, um, adding Danny Green, who I think is going to be a very good role player for them, um, and they have Valence, Valanchunas, Valanchunas, whatever you want to say. Um, I think they're a team that could possibly win the entire Eastern Conference. And I think they have a much better shot of doing that this year with LeBron leaving and Kawhi Leonard joining the Raptors than they did last year. Um, and even with, you know, this year, if they were to kept DeMar DeRozan, I don't think that would put them over the hump in the East. But I think Kawhi Leonard might be able to do that. And, you know, Kawhi Leonard has been dominated not by his own really um, his own comments and actions, but it's always Kawhi Leonard's camp. That's what really started to piss me off about Kawhi Leonard. It's always his camp this, his camp that, um, his camp's having good talks. Like, enough about the camp. Let me just hear from the actual guy. Um, but I think it's, I think it's going to be exciting. And maybe, you know, maybe he will really like Toronto and want to stay there. You never know. No. Um, maybe he doesn't want to be second fiddle to LeBron in L.A., I could definitely see that about Kawhi. I don't really know who the man Kawhi Leonard is anymore because I thought this was a very weird situation in San Antonio this past year when a lot of guys were saying he was healthy enough to play but was choosing not to. But I disagree. I think the Raptors are better off today than they were a few days ago. I don't care whether it's his camp or it came out of his own mouth, but here is a quick camp quote. They made it very clear that Kawhi Leonard wanted no part of the Raptors and that he is strictly focused on L.A. in the coming free agency. That so was, I, That was a this, couple days ago. Their reports came out that they're kind of changing their, changing, excuse me, changing their gears a little bit. Yeah, they have to because they have to suck it up and play. Kawhi Leonard can't sit out another whole season just because he doesn't want to play for this team. I mean, that just isn't a good look for him. I think it's ridiculous because it doesn't help any team in the NBA. I don't know what it would take to start – inching closer to the Warriors but this once again just spreads it out too much so that it doesn't even this trade ultimately won't even matter Martin Rosen and Aldridge won't make an impact in San Antonio they'll fight for an eighth seed Kawhi Leonard and the Raptors might be up there in the top three on the Eastern Conference but I don't think they get past the Celtics who also aren't a formidable team to this Warriors team I just the spreading out of it is doesn't work I think him in LA there was no there were no possible combination of trades that could have made any team even close to what the Warriors are so we're kind of I think LeBron with Kawhi at any point point is significantly a better opportunity than the opportunities that are kind of current yeah but you know we'll see maybe next year if he goes to LA we'll we'll see how it all shakes out well, maybe now with the other big trade of the day, Carmelo Anthony to the Atlanta Hawks, where he will be waived. The Atlanta Hawks give up Dennis Schroeder and a protected first-round pick, or I believe maybe they are the ones who received the protected first-round pick, and Mike <laughs> Muscala going to the Phillies. Um, a very bizarre trade. Um, Dennis Schroeder, I think, by far and away the best player in that trade package, so I'm not sure why he was shipped to OKC. Maybe it was a cap issue, but now you've got two premier point guards, I believe, on one team. I mean, it's obviously going to be Russell's team. Maybe you slip uh, Schroeder into the shooting guard role, although that's where PG has mostly been playing. He could probably slip to a three. Carmelo is going to sign with the Rockets, supposedly, um, to replace Trevor Ariza and Lou Mabu Amatu. I forgot his name already. Luke Amamute? Um, yeah, it's something with those four or five names. But maybe Carmelo Anthony, Carmelo Anthony will get back to his Syracuse Orange days or early Nuggets days and help this Rockets team score enough points to compete again with the Warriors. Yeah, I just don't see it happening. I've <laughs> never, never really been a big Carmelo fan. 
um, and even said when he went to the Thunder that this was um, it was not a big three. It was a it was a two and a quarter. I'll call it. Um, Carmelo, I just don't think I just don't think he has what it takes. Um, he's never really been a winner in the league, and I, nothing against the guy, but I just, just don't think he's very good, and especially now that he's old. Um, he, I don't think he's he's not going to be what pushes this Houston Rockets team over the edge. I just don't see it. No, I, I'm pretty much with you. I know you wanted to talk about Michael Porter Jr. having another a second back surgery. This is looking kind of like a Joel Embiid or Greg Odom situation. You're hoping for the latter with Embiid, but... I, a guy who I thought could have been the most talented in the draft, it, it's freaking me out when you have this many injury concerns. Yeah, this is one of the worries, and we definitely brought this up before. I, I'm a I'm a fan of the guy. Um, I, I saw him as a as a player who you know when healthy could have been you know the number one pick, but you know th- this is kind of this is one of the reasons he slipped to number fourteen in the draft to the Nuggets because worries about his back and where that would look um, for his entire career, and we're starting to see something unfold that. Like you mentioned, I hope it turns out like Joel Embiid has, which the story isn't even closed on him. I mean, he's only played well for a couple of years, but I'm really hoping this isn't another, you know, Greg Oden, Sam Bowie type situation. Um, the guy with so much talent just can never stay healthy. And, you know, the fact that he was number 14, he wasn't a number one overall like Oden um, and Sam Bowie. Um, I think he was actually number two. But, you know what, this is this is what you get. And it was very hit or miss. Um I'm hoping he gets healthy because this Denver Nuggets team, I think, might surprise a couple people um, with some of the pieces they have. But this is all the time we have here for the Sporting Edge, everybody. If you miss a show, you know where to find us, libertytalk.fm, amfm247.com. We'll be back next week to crown the British Open champion. Chip Bobby Parker to the Bulls! Revolutionary talk for revolutionary times. Promoting peace, liberty, and prosperity around the clock. LibertyTalk.fm.